0: Ever and occur, this is usually a good live. We are live. Hello and welcome to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Ephraim Martinez. I am a principal in search of wisdom and I have found productivity to be a great tool for success. Today I have the great and distinguished honor of interviewing John Bogie, who is a fourth grade teacher writer, and guitar player in Highland Park, Illinois. John Bogie, who are you?
1: (laughs) I think you nailed it on the head there. I'm I'm also a father, a fan of comic books, science fiction, and anything that sort of shines a light on the future and gives hope that the future has no limits. Uh, I think that's really why I like uh, science fiction so much.
0: It is just a fun way of looking at what could be. Beautiful. I can't wait to ask you the questions about (laughs) uh, what you read. But let's start with, can you please walk us through your professional trajectory up to this point?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I grew up in uh, Evanston, Illinois, and I always wanted to be president. And from a very young age. And so I said, well, if I'm going to be president, I should go to law school. So after I graduated from Albion College, I went to Chicago, Kent college of law and hated it. Oh, I was miserable. I just was bored. I was uninterested. And uh, so I left uh, during my first year. And my mom had been a school social worker uh, in Skokie at a school called Middleton. And I had worked at the daycare a little bit there. And she got me a job as a teacher's aide. And I loved it. The rest kind of just flowed naturally. I got my master's at night. Uh, worked there for two two and a half years. Substituted. Got a job in North Chicago, uh, where teaching fifth grade, and that first classroom is so special. Uh, those kids were wonderful. Uh, to this day, I still I, I still reflect on them and my experiences. Um, it 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 was just a wonderful wonderful opportunity. Then I moved to Glenview, where I taught fourth grade for ten years. And during that time, I took on a lot of leadership roles in the building. And my principal was like, you know, you'd make a good principal. So I left and became an assistant principal, then a co-interim principal, then a principal for three years. And there was a, we did a lot of good work. We really did. But there was a part of me that was feeling unsatisfied. And again, it was that feeling like in law school where I was, "Eh, I don't think this is for me. I was fortunate enough to uh, make some connections in Highland Park, uh, North Shore District 112. And I was introduced to a woman, Claire Kowalczyk, who was a principal of Lincoln School at the time. And she was amazing. And we, we, I interviewed for a fourth grade teaching job again. And it really wasn't an interview. It was more like this wonderful three-hour conversation about curriculum, about student growth and development, social-emotional learning. And she and I just clicked. And I worked with her for three years there. Then uh, a woman came for uh, Jean Bannis and uh, John Sprangers took over for a couple years. They were amazing. Uh, And it just, it was a phenomenal, wonderful time in my life. Sadly, the numbers at Lincoln went down and they closed the school and these things happened. And that was really hard for me. But then I remember something a, a lot of people say, but I had heard actually Dave Letterman say this: when something happens, you're not—that's not exactly what you want. Don't get down on yourself. Think of it as an opportunity, and that's how I looked at moving to Wayne Thomas, where I currently am teaching fourth grade. Uh, it's really been a wonderful opportunity, and the things—I mean, I just love Wayne Thomas. It's the diversity of the kids, the backgrounds they come from. I mean, we have the kids who come from the military base. They're just wonderful. To a T, they work hard. They're great, great kids. Uh, and the community has been so supportive. The parents are just amazing. I, I, I'm so lucky. And mm-hmm. here I am. You know, I'm sort of looking at the next 10 years of my career, where we're going. And we're working on a lot of fun things with the kids. And uh, every day is an adventure.
0: That's awesome, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, Let's unpeel that onion a little bit. Um, What would you say uh, is the moment when you realize, um, I really like doing this, right? Um, uh, When you became a teacher uh, and you were teaching students uh, and you were coming from that law, uh, from those aspirations and and there was a a shift in your interests, uh, how would you describe that and how do you bring that today to the classroom?
1: So, it's this is the greatest job ever. This is it's full of satisfaction, such wonderful moments when the kids get it and that light bulb goes on. Uh, when I was a uh, oh, back when I worked in the daycare boy in the 90s, um, <laughs> I used to work with the preschoolers a lot, and there were three preschool boys, and they I collect comic books. I have since I was a kid. And at that time, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was really popular. And I actually had some of the older comics that are a little more adult, but um, these kids would come running up and want me to tell them Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stories. And I started to make them up and they'd sit around mesmerized by these stories. And I think some, some cases I was just recounting the cartoons, but they loved it. And that made me feel so satisfied and just, uh, Happy to meet their needs, and I didn't realize it at the time. I couldn't verbalize it, but every year, every student I've worked with, there are those moments when they get it, and that's what I live for. I saw that in North Chicago. I saw it in Winkleman School in Glenview, uh, and now I see it at Lincoln. And then I saw it every. Oh, it feels like every day at Wayne Thomas. I have friends who work in the corporate world, and they're so talented and so they're so good at their jobs, but. You know, it's working with kids, just seeing them make those steps, those progress. It's a different kind of thing where you get a little more uh, different kind of satisfaction. And it's just what I live for.
0: Beautiful. Uh, let me tell you, Mr. Bogie, for those that don't know, um, uh, Mr. Bogie school and my school are, uh, we're neighbors. Literally uh, a <laughs> one minute walk from each other. However, uh, we don't tend to see each other uh, often. But I do get to hear a lot of Mr. Boggy because of the students that come from his school. I always ask when I, part of my relationship building uh, strategy is always asking, who is your favorite teacher? And his name almost always comes out. (laughs) Uh, So uh, uh, kudos, Mr. Boggy. Question, uh, uh, geeky question, Uh, who is your favorite uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle character and why?
1: You know what? I uh, I always love Donatello, the machine, the computer, the tech guy. I always love that character in any, any sort of uh, science fiction or adventure. Um, he seems to be a little undervalued by the rest of the team, but he's essential. And he really doesn't care about he wants to get the job done. He gets joy from making the machines do what he needs to do. Uh, so I've always loved that character that's rather under undervalued like that, um, and uh, I, I see that repeated again and again in stories. And that character, I just they, I feel like they always have a great backstory too.
0: Beautiful, thank you so much. I, I, uh, for me, I start with Leonardo uh, because uh, Leo was uh, the leader. Mm-hmm. So there was a time growing up that I. I wanted to give up on leadership, and I wanted to be Michelangelo. And then <laughs> I found Michelangelo. Then so irresponsible, and I went back to be a, a fan of Leo. Uh so fun to talk about this. So one more follow-up question: Up, uh, what lessons did you take from the, the administration world in education when you returned back? Like, like mm-hmm. your story. Your story sounds like. When Jordan went to play baseball and came back to <laughs> yeah. basketball and brought a bunch of lessons, what mm-hmm. lessons did you bring, uh, and how did that make you a uh, uh, better educator?
1: Uh, it brought me a lot of humility and understanding of what goes on beyond my classroom walls and the pressures that administrators feel. Uh, and it, I think, it really improved my relationships with the principals, the district office staff with whom I work now uh, to have that understanding. It, it's, you know, they say to to really understand someone, you should walk a mile in their shoes. Well, I, I did. And uh, it, so like, you know, I see sometimes teachers or people come in and they're, you know, they're, they think the the sun rises and sets by them and it, it really doesn't. Team, team, team. And I know I couldn't do my job as well as I do without the many people who uh, support our whole community.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, great reflection. So let's talk about reading and books. And of course it could include (laughs) anything that has uh, words. Uh, If you will have to gift two pieces of literature, one Mm -hmm. fiction, one nonfiction, which one will those be and why?
1: uh for nonfiction now it's uh the logic of english by uh i think it's denise uh lid is how, l-i-d-e is how she might say it this book uh our principal uh my current principal uh, michael rodrigo gave it to me it has opened me up to something and helped me articulate what i've seen in education for a while uh you know we have these uh, the pendulum kind of swings in reading and education, balanced lit- literacy, structured literacy. Um, as a fourth grade teacher, I've seen kids come up for years, and sometimes they seem to be uh, a little weak in certain areas. And this book is all about English, the English language and phonics, how we develop, how the brain works. It pairs in very nicely with professional development we're doing right now. Uh, I am just fascinated by it. I've always loved languages uh, since high school. And, uh, you know, studying the Romance languages and, and learning about it just fascinated me, the connections between Spanish, French, uh, Portuguese, Romanian, and um, Italian. Italian. I, I just, I, just I, I love the way languages evolve. And uh, in college, I took Japanese for a year. So wow. this really pairs in well with kind of, something that interests me a lot uh and it's helped me with my students now uh because they sometimes they come up and they're oh they're a little weak in like silent e how does silent e work in a letter how does it affect the sounds so now it's it's helped me learn how to focus my instruction uh more importantly you know we have this wonderful half hour success block where students can get targeted instruction and i'm able to do those things and i use this book as a tremendous resource so i i can i'm a big fan of the, uncovering the logic of english um, for nonfiction, you know, um, I've been reading comics since I was a kid. And in the 1980s, a comic came out called the dark Knight returns by Frank Miller. And it is a gritty, uh, sort of adult look at, uh, Batman when he's in his fifties and he comes out of retirement. Uh, and the, the writing was so good. I just, I, I read it a couple times a year and, uh, it, 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 it ends with this scene where uh, Batman is sitting around with Robin and he's sort of brought in all these other uh, young people and green arrow. Who's my, one of my favorite superheroes. um, And they're planning how they're going to build a future in Gotham. And uh, you know, he says out loud the line, hurry up. We got to get these things ready. We don't have a lot of time, but in his mind thinks, no, we have all the time in the world. And I've, I've already expanded that in my mind to say, We have all the time in the world, time to teach and learn and grow and be the best person we can be. And I I love that sentiment. And I think about that, especially in August and September at the beginning of the year, or getting to know the kids or looking at, oh, the map scores are coming in. Oh, I've seen this in the classroom. Oh, they wrote this essay. And in my mind, you know, I can plot out, okay, I know how this kid's going to be successful. I got a plan. And uh, it's just, it's just a wonderful feeling. So uh, those are two books I highly recommend.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. I'm highly curious. If you had to pick one comic book series, uh, which one would that be?
1: Oh, a series? I, you know, I, I love Green Arrow. I love the guy because he's got no superpowers. He's just good with a bow and arrow. And uh, the writers they've had over the years have been amazing. Uh, sometimes the the companies can be a little protective of the big characters like Batman or Superman, but they've allowed the writers to really have a lot of fun with green arrow. Another one is a uh, daredevil. He's uh, from Marvel mm. comics. I love the fact that he's blind and uh, just is so passionate about helping those in need. And uh, that's another one of my, and then the incredible Hulk. i Ever That's since the 70s, Bill Bixby and the uh, Incredible Hulk show. I just love that story character.
0: <laughs> beautiful. Thank you. I'm sure um, um, comic reading uh, gave you a special sensibility to bring into education because it takes, it takes so much uh, art to put um, words into beautiful pictures uh, in a way that is captivating. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate that. Uh, Let's do a little pause and uh, celebrate the Teach Better community.
1: This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode.
0: Okay, John. So uh, can you please share with us who is or who are Your biggest influences?
1: Uh, You know, I got to start with my mom and dad. My mom is a school social worker. She got me into the business, so to speak. And I just, uh, it gives me sort of a, she's a therapist. It it gives me a therapist perspective. I try to run my classroom, you know, according to what I learned from her growing up of listening, being fair, being patient. then my father, who is just, he was in sales his whole life. And, um, I don't know, he's just so supportive. Uh, when I wanted to learn bass guitar, he bought me this enormous amp to go with my guitar, uh, as a gift because he, he wanted to support me, whatever I did, he has always been there. So I try to do reflect on that with my students. And, um, as I got into education, I worked at a camp called Circle M Day Camp, and the owners were Bob and Marcy Brower. The camp where it was in Wheeling, uh, out by what we used to call Palwaukee Airport. Now it's a Chicago executive airport. And um, Bob and Marcy were former educators, and they had this camp that ran as a non-competitive camp. And they, um, uh, it was a, um, They really believed in the five stages of group dynamics of how a group evolves. And so your summer camp group would evolve through this. And you'd watch them and you'd do a lot of reflection on it. I do the same with my classroom and apply those lessons there. Uh, You know, at the beginning of the year, we start, we're exploring, we're getting to know each other. Then we get into sort of the storming period where they kind of test you. They're really just finding their role. The, who they are, and that lasts till about Halloween, and Halloween's kind of a big turning point. It's a lot of stress for kids, actually. You know, what are you gonna wear? Who are you gonna go trick or a- treating with? Then after Halloween, things are normal, and they they leave for winter break, and they're like, okay, this is pretty good. I I know this. I get the routine. But they come back from winter break, and man alive, they do their best work from January up until May. And it just keeps better and better. I got to tell you, I'm getting essays from these kids on their big writing assignments that are incredible. Like some of them are doing eight paragraph essays filled with details. I, I just couldn't ask for more. But we get to May, and usually the weather will turn about mid May where it gets, it feels summer. And they start to realize school is ending and and we get to the final stage of, I call it destruction, although that's maybe a bit much, but, um, whether you love school or you hate school, the, the end is a change and we all, it all affects us differently throughout the year. We talk about these different stages, especially when we get to the final stage and, you know, we talk about things like that. We want to remember about fourth grade that we want to take in our suitcases with us, uh, and, it, it makes the year, uh, the end of the year, go smoother. But it also helps them remember what they want to take from the class. And, you know, I really, uh, it's, it's a joyous time of celebration. A little sad to see them go at the end of the year. Maybe a little more for the teacher. I mean, I usually cry the last day of school. It's who I am and I know it. Um, you know, you just, it's so wonderful to see all the growth and then, you know, see them. Le- it's kind of like the... Uh, well, at, at Wayne Thomas, we have these ducks that come every year and they nest in our in our courtyard and then they leave and the mother duck has to take her babies and let them go. And I have to do the same thing. And I just, it's always with pride and a little bit of sadness to see them go.
0: Wow, wow. I can tell that you teach with a lot of love. Uh, thank you, John. I, I appreciate that. Okay, uh, John, uh, as you know, we all at some point believe that we are not good enough. That uh, we're not, not going to be able to accomplish certain tasks. Uh, and psychologists call that imposter syndrome. How do you address this?
1: Uh, you know, when I was ah uh, in high school in college, I was on the swim team, and you get up there on the blocks, and I'd be scared. As soon as I dove in the water, it just all went away. I try to apply that at at my my as a teacher. You know, I can work myself up. I can, uh, you know, think about all the things that could go wrong in the day. But once I get going, something just clicks where it's like, okay, we're, we're in the zone. We're going. The game's on. And I'm able to compartmentalize it. Now, the only time that doesn't work uh, or hasn't worked in the past is when I, uh, you know, something messes up the rhythm or you know, something, sometimes I'll have like observers come in and I'm like, oh, I got to stop what I'm doing. And, you know, uh, go over to the person, say, oh, hey, welcome to our classroom, that kind of a thing. Uh, That's really not the case now with our current uh, principal or assistant principal. I think that's my level of growth, but the, but they also worked very hard uh, to connect with me and make me feel comfortable. Uh, But I remember, oh, back in Glenview, one time I got observed by 10 people at once uh we had done a year-long japanese lesson study and mm-hmm. i got picked to, to present the final lesson and uh you know we all have our tells my ears turn red my neck turns red um my you know I, and but what gets me through too is also the planning i've laid out a hard you know a hard plan of what i want to do but i know i'm also the quarterback and i may need to call the audible and change things as we go along Every year, I get better and better at that. And uh, it's so it's planning, really. Planning helps on it. But I do get home at night, and I I reflect on the day, and I'm like, oh, that could have gone better. I could have done this. And although that might be a little uh, unnerving, it actually makes me a better teacher, that level of reflection. And I think year after year, just makes things improve.
0: Beautiful. Let's talk about uh, lesson planning. Uh, How... How do you lesson plan and what lessons have you learned?
1: Uh, I, With every lesson, I, I like to think of it as, I, I use the I can statements. Uh, they're pretty, pretty popular. I always say, what do I want the kids to be able to do? And yes, I can have a fancy objective that says students will understand the fundamentals of reducing fractions, Or, but I'm like, when I put it on the board, I say I can reduce fractions. It's got to be pretty, pretty straightforward for the kids. And uh, from there, you know, then how do I want them to do it? And again, we're going to play a game about reducing fractions. Okay, that's pretty simple to them. You don't, you don't want to make it too complicated. And then the, how are they going to know if they met the objective or the I can statement? Um, I want them to be able to, uh, you know, say, oh, it's simple. I'm going to do an exit activity. I'll do an exit slip. Uh, maybe it's the essay I'm writing, but knowing that this is going to show that I've met the objective. Uh, it's nice. Cause then, you know, they can refer back to the, I can't statement. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? So I did that for, Oh wow. For a while since coming to Highland park. And then I started to put my lesson plans on a tight double-sided piece of paper and give it to the students. And wow. so, I, essentially I'm giving them my lesson plans. I started giving it to parents too, uh, because they should all know what's going on they should all know to what we're working towards and uh, it's made a huge difference i find students are more comfortable when they're holding a detailed schedule i have little check boxes they can check off as we go along Um, it has the objectives uh, it has supplies they need to take out so that level of planning I think has made a big difference in my instruction. We we, we call it the TCOB, taking care of business. Uh, in my mm. class, everything has to have a unique and funny name, it seems like. Uh, you know, we call the, the bathroom the water closet. We call the water fountain the bubbler. I, you know, take these – I took the bubbler from Wisconsin. So uh, uh, people who are from Wisconsin, they're just amazed that I call it that. <laughs>
0: That's I mean, I, I am getting to see why uh you're a legend when the students come to Northwood and they talk about you. Uh thank you for sharing that. Let's talk about um I believe you're a writer. Uh can you tell us about your experience writing, uh perhaps what you're working on, and um uh of your practice.
1: Sure. Uh, so the, the s- small project right now, which I, I really have only outlined, I'm trying to write a book about my experiences in teaching, my ideas, how the year flows. It's kind of going to be a survival guide for teachers, for parents, for students uh really reflecting on sort of the intermediate grades third fourth and fifth i think a lot of time they get overlooked there's so much focus on the primary oh we have to get them to learn to read you know all these things and then you get to the upper grades and expanding that knowledge but really sort of those intermediate grades i want to focus on um and right now i have the idea i i have sort of 10 uh quotes i i i've either written or i've taken from other people that are going to help me reflect on how the year goes um, one of them I took from, uh, Spider-Man, although, uh, and Stan Lee, it was used for years, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And so to me, the, right now, I think of that as sort of my, I'll call it my August quote when we're going back to school as teachers, as educators, we need to reflect that we have tremendous opportunity to make these, uh, young people, uh, the best versions of the, themselves they can be. So. Beautiful. I've had, uh, yeah. And I've, so that's, that's, um, I generally work on the writing over the summer. Uh, so that's, that's, that's moving slower than I'd like. <laughs> uh, but the other yeah. book I've written and I tell it orally, I, I have notes and everything and I have to really put it on paper. My students want me to, it's a book called uh, princess Ella And it's about a girl who is born as a very mean princess and, She is lacking attention, and although she's rich and has everything, she doesn't have the the love and attention she wants from her parents. And one day she's visited by a creature who's half elf, half orc, who promises to give her everything she wants if she holds a marble for a year. And uh, it ends up, she ends up becoming a a wizard and having all sorts of adventures. Uh, The kids see her grow. Through the first two books, she gets married. At the end of the second book, she has a son. And then, uh, well, I don't want to spoil. Then she leaves. We'll just say she leaves for a couple of books. And then the story focuses on her son. The reason I switch it like that is because I want the students in my class as I tell this, say, oh, there's a girl in the car- in the book. I could be that girl. And I never tell them what she looks like. I'm going to say she doesn't have blonde hair and blue eyes necessarily. She could, but she could be any she could be any race, she could have any hair color. Same with her son who's born. and then as he grows up, you know he doesn't have magical powers. He has trouble making friends, but he finds this great teacher uh, and uh, who teaches him to everything basically. Uh, there are a lot of adventures. There's a lot of sort of monsters and stuff that they have to defeat. Uh, but it's really about these characters growing and, uh, there's, uh, there's Princess Ellaway, there's her son, Prince Connor. Uh, there's a, a character named Goshi, uh, who's the, who's the wizard teacher. Uh, they all sort of have things that they have to figure out. Uh, and, uh, so there, there, it's going to be five books. Uh, and the kids, the kids love it. Uh, year after, I start telling it in, uh, April typically, and I tell it every day till the end of the year. Um well (coughs) excuse me one day we'll get it one day i'll get it published
0: (laughs) you should absolutely how do you how do you do you create a a a a draft or some sort of a timeline of what's going to happen or you go as 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 the story goes uh what is what is what happens behind the scenes in that brain of yours
1: (laughs) so the um uh yeah i do i do a timeline and i say you know okay i you know, I started this story writing it back in the nineties and I was just getting my master's and I realized there aren't a lot of good books with girls as the primary character. So I said, okay, let's, let's make it a girl. Let's evolve. Let's, let's see how she evolves. Well, what's her problem? Um, I, I knew a girl in college who told me that when she was little, she was very demanding and it would tell funny stories. how she would try to boss her parents around. I thought, well, what if that made a great character? And then, I had a friend who um, is just, she's someone I really look up to as an adult. She's uh, uh, in the, she works for Northwestern University. And I thought she's such a nice person. What if this horrible little child grew up to be an amazing, kind-hearted person? What would it take? And I said, you know, if, if she were to just stop talking for a year and was forced to listen, that would be, and learn and grow from that, that would be a great story. So I'm like, okay, well, I like science fiction. I like magic and fantasy. How can we, you know, uh, how can we make this happen? And then I borrow, I, I think of ideas uh, from the millions of books I have. I get inspired by them. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, a series of comics uh, called Vertigo Comics. They're, they're adult ones, but there are a lot of fantasy adventures. And uh, I get inspired by things like that. Of uh, of course, Tolkien, uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings is is amazing. Um, so just, and that's a, uh, but, but for me, all that is kind of off to the side a little bit. It's about how the character grows and change. And, uh, that's really what I want to see in, in these stories. So they all have a problem. And I tell my students that, look, if the character didn't have a problem, it'd be boring. Uh, we want to see them resolve it. And, and it, and it, it also has to reflect our life. So when we get to the fourth book, it's called Goshi, the, the teacher characters me it's pretty obvious i say well he's bald he's uh you know he uh and it's it's about my experiences uh in teaching how i got into it and well, instead of being in law school i was a warrior <laughs> and i left being a warrior to go learn to be a wizard because i think wizards in a lot of stories are the greatest teachers and um you know the the wizard college i go to is named after the camp i worked at and uh, uh it's it's stuff like that so it's a uh it's it's a lot of uh, a lot of taking my life and making it sort of fantasy and magical.
0: Beautiful. Oh, I oh my goodness, I will read those books. Awesome. <laughs> that's I, I I can't wait. Thank you for sharing those. Um, let's talk a little bit about productivity as you know, this is something that is important for everyone who succeeds, but it looks so different for each person. What does it look for you? How do you get organized? Uh, before the stage opens and you do your art?
1: Um, you ever watch, uh, I, I love the TV show MASH. Uh, growing up, my parents watched it. I watched it with them. And there was this thing called triage where they'd sit there and they say, okay, this patient has to go first. This has to go second. You know, I got time to do this, uh, but I don't have time to do this. I'm going to have to ask a friend for help. And I, I didn't realize it, but as I've grown it, grown professionally, that's kind of how I approach getting organized. I say, okay, this has to get done first. So that lesson plan I give the kids, the TCOB, that has to be done first. So I'll sit down at night and do that. And I can I can get that done in about 20 minutes, maybe half an hour. Uh, and then I say, okay, what else needs to be done? Well, we're going to have to do the grading. That's going to have to be done because you got to know where the kids are at. Then uh, and, and going from that, there may be things like inputting things into our uh, database system, uh, and then you kind of say, "Okay, well, I've got everything. I've got everything ready for tomorrow. I've got my lesson plans. Um, got things graded. I need to move on to uh, sort of larger projects. Maybe I want to. Um, maybe I'm working on something with my team. Uh, maybe I'm doing something for the building. At in May, for example, I run our building's regatta. We have boat races. We make boats. I have an aqua track that was." Uh, uh, I got through a grant. Um, so a lot of uh, fun, big projects. Uh, so that kind of gets, that's sort of my third level of, uh, of getting organized. That works extremely well for me. I like to come in to the school day with my plan time, not tied down to lesson planning or necessarily, uh, well, I, us- I usually grade pretty consistently during it, but I like to have it open to work on those larger projects if possible. Now, on the flip side of that, that requires that all my duties at home as a father are taken care of. So it might be seven in the evening when I'm doing these things. Uh, and my kids have done their homework. We've had dinner uh, and you know, sort of have like an hour long work period at home, uh, silent reading period. And uh, that's when I find I can be very productive. Uh, so, but it is hard sometimes because things will happen. You know, uh, someone will get sick and need to go to the doctor. Uh, Someone, my parents will who live near me. They'll they'll have need me to do something, and uh, so you know you gotta. It's kind of like a, you know, those hot dog balloons. And you squeeze yeah. one end, the other end gets bigger. It's like okay, well, I'm taking away from here. It's going to have to come back down over here. So I tried to build in sort of flex time like that, uh, where if I have time, I'll sit down and watch TV or something with my wife. Uh, but otherwise I may have to end up doing work if the balloon got squeezed at one end.
0: Let, John, let me ask you how being a father has influenced you as a teacher and as a teacher, as a father.
1: <laughs> I remember when I first started, uh, some parents would say, well, you'll understand when you're a parent yourself. And <laughs> I I always smile and said, yeah, you know, I hope one day to be able to. And um, I, I, you know, and it, it really does change your perspective. There's a simple thing with, with homework. I give homework out on Friday. I give a packet and it's not due until the following Friday. Everything they need is there that way. Cause I know how busy kids are. I really know now cause I have to get to my daughter, my daughter to soccer three times a week. My other daughter has choir. Um, it, it's just, they're, they're, You And you want to be involved in part of their lives. And the parents feel the same way. So if they could get it done over the weekend or have that advanced ability to uh, get these things done, it's going to make it more beneficial to them. Uh, It's also, you understand the words you use with parents are so critical. Um, You don't, it just gives you a larger uh, appreciation. I've seen colleagues in, in another district use uh a just you know describe a student to a parent not in the most tactful way and this was about 15 years maybe even 20 years ago and i thought boy if someone said that to me about my kids even if it were true i thought oh that's so harsh the way you said it you know there are babies even when they're 20 years old there are babies and you know it, it it helps me appreciate that so
0: beautiful tell me um what are your thoughts about how social media and group chats and all that kind of stuff. Um, what have you seen? How is this influencing what we do and the and the troubles that we have to address? And what are your thoughts?
1: I, um, I I'm going to be a little maybe conservative here. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I really feel like social media should be like driving. Uh, you should almost have a license to get it. We should, and I don't know how you would do this, but I would love to see kids have to be 21 to use social media. I, I don't. It's just it. I don't see them benefiting from it. And and there are benefits, but they they're outweighed by all the negatives. And every day, countless stories. I'm sure I've heard from talking to my friends in administration over the years. I know. I'm sure you have horror stories about kids Mm -hmm. getting caught up in just the worst, worst things. Um, You know, these smartphones we have are amazing tools. Holy cow, I I just can't believe it sometimes when I reflect back to how things were in the 70s when I was born. Uh, But it's, they're just not ready for it. And my mom, uh, the social worker, would say, kids don't understand the permanency of their actions. That when they do some of these things on the internet, It is forever. I tell my fourth graders this, um, you know, you think you can delete something from the internet, but you really can't. And uh, it's once it's there, it's there forever. It never goes away. Um, I I hope they keep that lesson. it's, It's a lesson I never had to learn. And I was able to grow up and make mistakes. And that's being a kid is making mistakes, learning from them, growing, uh, and so I don't see social media giving kids the opportunities to make mistakes and grow. And I, I, I would rather just see it go away. I, or,
0: yeah. I concur. Yeah. I concur with you. Uh, it is so hard for adults uh, to accept rejection and being liked for every yeah. post uh, with children it is so difficult and it's really creating a, uh, Another pandemic of it children um, uh, going through this. Thank you for sharing that, uh, John. Uh, what do you do? Uh, I I know you're a guitar player. Uh, uh, tell us about your um, your experience with guitar. I remember one one time I was teaching and and I was a Spanish teacher, and um, a parent told me, "Oh, I'm sure you play guitar." I said, "No, I don't." And the parent was so disappointed. So that was something I always wanted to do. Uh, tell us about your experience. I, I
1: come from a pretty musical family. Uh, although my dad doesn't play in an instrument, he's a huge booster. My mom sang in the church choir, played piano and flute. We always had to take a lesson. We were always taking lessons in an instrument in my house. Uh, and I switched around. I, I What did I start with? Piano, guitar, then trumpet, then tuba. That was awesome. Then in college, I went back to guitar and bass guitar. Uh, My brother is a professional musician. Uh, He lives in Brooklyn, and uh, he is a woodwind saxophone flute uh, uh, clarinet player. He does everything. He's been on Grammy-nominated albums. He's toured with bands like Arcade Fire, and he's always supported me. And, you know, he helped me realize guitar is such a wonderful instrument. Because you can kind of teach it to yourself and it's light. It's great for the classroom. My first and second grade teacher had a piano in the classroom. That was cool. Uh, So I've always had that idea of what music can bring to the classroom. So, um, you know, I'm not very good. (laughs) I know a lot of chords and I know how to go to the website, find the chords, but I have an auto tuner. Uh, The kids think it's fascinating. And they love it. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. And so we, we make up songs. I'll take a pop song and change the lyrics or, or rock songs. My sort of main song, it's called Godzilla's All Right. It's, uh, I took the, the, the guitar chords and the uh, changed the words from a song by The Who called The Kids Are All Right. And It's about the monster Godzilla. It's, it's funny. And, um, but other songs we do are like camp songs. Uh, there's one called Desperado uh not the eagle song this is our own camp version it's very (laughs) really not a cowboy who goes to great america and gets into trouble uh and a a lot of my songs just they're meant to be silly funny uh get the kids engaged uh it just it's like it's like oh i get mr bogey we're gonna sing songs on the guitar that's gonna be fun and i think every teacher should have a thing that makes them unique and fun. And the kids are going to say, I get to go to that teacher because at the end of the year, we do the big puppet project where we make our own puppet shows and our own puppets. I knew a teacher who did that once. It was awesome. Uh, So, you know, that's, that's a big part of it. Why I bring it into the classroom? You know, if I didn't go into teaching, I would probably work somewhere in the music industry. I I feel like Uh, probably in, uh, well, if not playing, maybe producing and editing music. Uh, I just, it's 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 such a part of my soul and who I am. People say, Well, what do you like? I literally like everything except for pop music. I, I, I it's it's fine. <laughs> but like I'm not a fan of uh the you know the hit channels or the B ninety six, but I love everything else I just I love.
0: So John, uh you have to go to an island and you can yeah. only take one song with you that is gonna play over and over and over and over and <laughs> over. Which one is that one song?
1: Uh probably uh baba o'reilly by the who i love i i love the way they incorporated the violin i love the uh i can play the bass line um it just i, I hear it and i just i find inspiration in it uh it's uh it's, it just strikes a chord with me i don't know it, music to me it's about emotion it's about passion and you know you'll hear a certain certain good uh musical pattern. And you're just like, wow, uh, that's it for me. And I, I'm I'm lucky. I I hear that every day. So.
0: (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, John, uh, you finished teaching, your kids are asleep. Wife is is away. It's John's time. What do you do for fun?
1: (laughs) Uh, Probably either read comic books. Uh, I will, uh, I have a, watch tv i have uh, some sort of a eclectic shows i like that no one else is really a fan of and um sometimes old anime cartoons from the 70s uh, there's this one called battle of the planets i really like uh, i'm not sure if anyone remembers that uh you know uh sometimes i just uh i love taking my dog for walks we go to the dog park as much as we can uh she's a big part of my life and uh just uh find time to unwind. Uh, I am getting back into swimming. Uh, I have a friend I swam with when I did master swimming at Northwestern, he's getting me back into the pool. Uh, so I enjoy that a lot. Um, and, uh, but mostly I like when I'm alone, I'm working and I can't not do that. But when I'm with my family, I'm in and I'm, we're all like really focused. So if I have free time, I'll usually try to find a way to spend it with my family.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Jen. This has been such a great conversation. Any last thoughts you would like to share with the listeners and viewers of the show?
1: Uh, you know what? I, I'm really lucky and I found a job I love. I, I feel like the luckiest person every day, even the days that aren't, you know, that are maybe rough. They're still wonderful. They really are. And when you find that thing that makes you happy in life, do it. Don't let go of it. It, it is the greatest. And I can say that for people who are musicians, I know police officers, fire people, uh, firemen, uh, they're just great. Uh, Find that passion in your life and uh, hold on to it.
0: Beautiful, great advice. Oh my goodness, John, this has been such a luxury. I appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, thank you for having
0: me. Oh, a pleasure, have a great Sunday. You too. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Eparin Martinez. Chulo. And the of production, Chulo out.